Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Paul Ricard, filling in for Peter Switzer. Peter will be with us shortly when he looks at why Wall Street went very positive on Friday and what it means potentially for you as we look down the track at inflation and perhaps actions by the US Federal Reserve. What he calls as the three play trick, the good, the bad and the ugly. But first up, Adam Dawes joins us to look at today's market action. We talk in particular about activity in three areas. First of all, Oz Minerals in terms of uh, BHP and the copper play and briefly trading under $25. Uh, what's going on in the lithium market? And finally, potentially if you own some coal, what you might want to do with some of the coal producers. And then finally, Marcus Bogdan, the uh, Chief Investment Officer from Blackmore Capital, he looks at uh, the US reporting season and previews our own bank reporting season that kicks off on Thursday when ANZ reports and Macquarie updates us with their full year profit on Friday. That's the show for today. Let's kick off with Adam Dawes from Shore & Partners. Joining me now is Adam Dawes from Shore & Partners. Adam, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. It's lovely to be here. Look, a good rally in our market today follows uh, the United States on uh, on Friday, I guess, sort of more positive sentiment that perhaps, I wouldn't say inflation was as a peak, but maybe that the Federal Reserve won't go as hard and as fast as the market had feared. What sort of uh, credibility do you um, give that sort of line of thinking? And, and do you give it, you know, how do you see that playing out at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's probably a lot of cat and mouse that's going on at the moment. Um, we we think peak inflation has peaked at that 9.1% uh, in July this year, and every every month since then you've seen this sort of steadily, uh, uh, you know, fall away from sort of 8.5 to 8.3 to 8.2%. Uh, so. You know, that does potentially give us that there's a trend that's happening in that fall away inflation. And then the, then potentially the the, uh, the government or the Federal Reserve doesn't really need to continue on that rate hike as what's going on. So the market today has got a little bit sort of sideways with uh, the RBA sort of potentially talking about uh, we'll, we'll do another 25 basis points in, in uh, November, 25 basis points in December, but then February, we might need to raise it again. So the market's just a little bit cautious on what the Fed slash the RBA is talking uh, about as far as the further interest rate rises going into 2023. And on that subject, do you think that things like employment data you know, become even more important as the market looks ahead? Because uh, what we are seeing is that while inflation may have sort of, you might be right, it might have peaked, the economy still seems to be going, well, relatively gangbusters, notwithstanding all these higher interest rates. So I just wonder what evidence the central banks might need that some of their policy action is starting to work. Yeah, it's actually started to work. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the $24 million question. At the moment, I'm really concerned about the disconnect between the consumer and what's actually happening with mm -hmm. the RBA, because potentially we see this Christmas as being one of the best Christmases that's ever, ever happened as far as, um, you know, something like a Woolies or Coles or Metcash being the IGA stores. We think this Christmas is going to be really good because it's the first time in two years that there's been 
no disruptions or no restrictions on families getting together. There's going to be obviously flights which are going to get changed a fair few times before you can get there, but at least those flights will then still arrive and there's no real restrictions. So we do feel that, you know, the staple side of things will do well, but it's really, it's in the new year. It's a 23 story when potentially, you know, you've got a $750,000 mortgage and then uh, you've got to pay an extra $1,000 uh, a month for your mortgage going forward. Um, you know, and, and that will definitely have a, a huge impact on all discretionary spend going forward. But the US is very different. The US is always about fixed rate mortgages. They're not mm -hmm. variable, so yep. we're very different. And the fixed rate mortgages in the US, they expect that to get to around 4%, 4.2%. And I think that is, is going to be a bit of a, uh, a breaking point or, or at least a stop for the US to then stop uh, interest rates going forward as well. So I'm a little bit cautious on the US, a little bit cautious on Australia into the new year because it's really uncharted territory as far as where those things are going. And so certainly looking at the banks, the banks are saying everything's okay. Um, you know, we think that, that that disconnect with the discretionary side of things is going to be a real issue for us going forward. So I'd just be cautious going into 2023. But uh, by the sounds of things, Adam, it's sounding like you're almost sort of thinking maybe about a little bit of a Christmas rally. Is that, uh, am I putting words in your mouth there? I mean, you're cautious about 2023 with the consumer, but I think you're getting a sense from what you're saying that if inflation's peaked, maybe the central banks won't go as hard and the market might actually get a bit excited in the next uh, few weeks. What do you think? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that the, the potentially, and fingers crossed, that we do get a bit of a Christmas rally because if, if you look at just uh, the, the data as an infinite stage, that data definitely shows that uh, if, if peak inflation's hit, we can see the top of the hill for interest rates going forward, that we might see uh, a little bit of a rally coming into uh, Christmas time. I know it's always dangerous. Most of the market participants are sort of saying around that sort of $7,000, 7, point level mm -hmm. for, for the rest of the market. But yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an optimist and I really do hope that we do see some kind of rally going forward because it really does give us the ability then to say, okay, well, let's get rid of 2022. Okay, we're done. 2023, let's move forward and hopefully things are, are looking a little bit better, uh, you know, going forward. But really at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that Australia will sidestep a recession and with our commodities, I think we will do okay going into 2023. Well, that's a good segue into things making the news today in the local market. Let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about Oz Minerals, but also have a quick look at lithium and also uh, coal. Let's start with Oz Minerals. Uh, it dipped below yep. uh, $25, I think, today. Came out with a production report. BHP saying, well, it's sort of still interested, um, but not willing to sort of take the price higher. What's your take on how, how Oz Minerals sort of plays out in the coming weeks and months? Yeah, production was lower, wasn't it? And uh, on the quarterly, you could see that the gold output was a little bit lower, copper output was a little bit lower, and they seemed to be struggling a little bit. But I think that's what BHP already saw uh, mm -hmm. with their with their you know bid at twenty five dollars. The stock definitely dipped below twenty five dollars on the open, but it didn't take very long for it to then come back up and then stay over that twenty five dollar level. There was a couple of traders in on the floor here at Shores 
they were buying it on the open and then sort of flicked it as it got past that sort of 20, 25, 10 and, 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 and above. So, you know, I, I think it was interesting to sort of watch the price action of Oz Minerals. I think BHPs have that firmly in sight. They want to expand their copper production. They see Oz Minerals as a fantastic way to do that. And it really looks like that they will then continue to move forward. Whether they up the bid, I'm not too sure. I do think that they will up the bid to mop this up. I think there will be a three in front of it, but only time will tell as to what BHP wants to do with that. But we know that they want that copper. It's it's sitting quite closely to where they've, they've got some other tenements. So they're very keen to get that moving. So I think they will up the bid. But it was it, that quarterly definitely played into BHP's hand, don't you think? Yeah, it did. So I think we've, uh, we've got a floor there at $25, I think, by the sounds of it. Uh, yeah, at least in the short to medium term. Now, let's talk about new age. Well, copper's not a new age mineral, but we all know that copper's going to be in hot demand. Another one is, is lithium. So news from sort of, I guess, the US and China there that, uh, again, we've seen strong rallies in the lithium miners today. Yeah. Allchem came out with their quarterly the other day, um, you know, and, and uh, IGO also came out and sort of said that their quarterly options around about that sort of 5,000, 6,000, uh, US dollars, uh, a DMT, which is just playing perfectly into the hands because these guys can produce a, a metric ton of uh, lithium around about $900, mm. uh, which, you know, they're selling it into the market, into the spot market of $5,000 or $6,000. Um, there's a lot of production that they can do. They can produce up to 140,000, 150,000 tons of, uh, of lithium, you know, going forward. So it really does sit well within... Uh, the, the the business model, you know, going forward and allows analysts to sort of really get a good idea of what's happening. But the lithium story seems to continue on. Um, they, they're saying that those auctions are continuing to go higher, albeit the prices aren't increasing as much mm. as the, you know, previous time, but they're still sitting at those record high levels. So um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting story. I've, uh, I've put a little bit of a trading sell on PLS. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, it's had a good run. And I got down ITO to, in that space. It got down to about $2.10 in the middle of June. Now it's about $5.40. <laughs> it's, uh, so it's almost a tripling in, uh, in four months. Uh, not quite. But uh, yeah. look, it's been probably the best performer. But uh, so you think a little bit overvalued compared to uh, Allcam and maybe even uh, IGO? Agree. Yeah, I think, you know, you could do, you know, you, you can't go wrong sort of taking a profit at these levels, especially PLS. I'd be comfortable just to sort of take a little bit off the table, cycle that into AKE or IGO. I think that's prudent trading. And, uh, you know, you don't sell your entire holding. You just get take a little bit off the top, even your original investment for those long-standing shareholders uh, to take a little bit of profit. And that's what we're also doing in the coal space at the moment. Yeah, let's just finally just to finish on coal. Has, has coal had its day? I mean, uh, again, it's been a spectacular run for uh, people in, store, in stocks like uh, Whitehaven, but uh, yeah. you know, unloved about 12 months ago. Now you know we can get enough of it, but uh, we've seen a bit of a pullback. So maybe is coal sort of, you know, profit taking territory? What do you think? Yeah, Whitehaven, I definitely uh, last week I sort of uh, talked to a lot of people about sort of taking a little bit of profit in Whitehaven. I think. You know, with Coronado Coal, obviously there's a merger with Peabody. Um, that 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 that's going to happen. 
um, but you know potentially taking a little bit of uh, a potential profit in Whitehaven and then moving to something like a, a Coronado or even a Terracom. Uh, for those dividends that are going to that are going to be spitting out for for the businesses. Um, however, in saying that, we have had a very wet um, Newcastle, yeah, uh, as well as the Hunter Valley, which a lot some of the mines have actually been put on care and maintenance over the last coming couple of days. So I'd be a little bit cautious because we do supply a lot of the global coal output. And if there's a lot, and if there's a bit of floods or, or, or care and maintenance on some of those uh, mines, that's just going to keep the price nice and tight. And, uh, you know, you won't see any real fluctuation to the downside because the production is going to be limited for the next coming, let's say, uh, sort of three months or so. So I'd be cautious on sort of um, the coals. You, you definitely want them in your portfolio. You definitely want to be keeping them. If you, home, if you own Whitehaven, I'd be taking a little bit of profit up here. I think there's there's no doubt that you've done very, very well looking to sort of then roll that into some of the smaller Coronado or Terracom there. I own some Terracom myself, so mm -hmm. be careful with that one. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think, you know, you can't go wrong in that coal space. I think it, it looks pretty good at the moment. Okay, and we'll leave it there. That's uh, Adam Dawes uh, from Shore & Partners. Adam, thanks for joining us on Switzer. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Well, with inflation, we'll soon to drop speculation building in the US, explaining why stocks in the US uh, had the best week since June. What are the good, the bad and the ugly plays for anyone trying to rebuild their portfolios after a few rough years? The S&P 500 slide started on 4th of January this year and it's been a big 21% sell-off, but it was actually worse earlier in the year. While our 2022 drop is only 12%, but last Friday, US stocks staged a big rebound that uh, the pundits think is connected to a belief that an inflation dive in the US is getting closer. The dates to watch are 4th of November with the October jobs reading and then the 10th of November for the next US inflation number. Now, this chart makes me positive that we will soon see the official US inflation number fall. Check out the red line and the black line. The black line shows how Shane Oliver's pipeline of indicators are really falling and eventually the official CPI the red line is bound to catch up and fall as well. This is what Dr. Oliver has concluded from this chart of his. And I quote, signs of a slowing ahead in US inflation continue to build. And this should help the Fed, that's the central bank, show the uh, show slow down the pace of rate hikes soon. This was Oliver's latest from Friday's trade on Wall Street. In fact, I'm quoting again, in fact, there are reports that the Fed may consider slowing the pace of rate hikes from its December meeting. Now, given when rate rises ease or stop, stocks should take off. And here are three plays you can make money out of, I reckon. Um, and I call them the good, the bad, and the ugly plays. The good plays are a really safe one. You buy an exchange traded fund for the ASX 200, something like IOS or A200, or a Vanguard similar product for the ASX 300. 
this sort of thing will give you a nice rebound when the market takes off. And I think over the year, you expect at least a 10% gain plus a 4% dividend and franking. So you can see yourself making even 15% in a year. That's the good, pretty easy play to make. Of course, if the market falls, you'll fall, but eventually you'll get the rebound factor playing in your favour over the next 12 months or so. The bad play is a, a one called IVV. Now, IVV gives you the US stock market, which I think will rebound, but I also think the Aussie dollar will rebound at the same time. And so when you get the US market rising, you make money, but when the Australian dollar rises, it takes money off you. So I suggest a better play would be IHVV. The H stands for hedged, and it's not a very expensive product at all. It's only about 10 basis points. And it just gives you that insurance about if the Australian dollar rises. And the Australian dollar tends to rise when the US stock market starts to rebound. The final play I call ugly, but it really is ugly because something can go wrong. When it goes wrong, it's really bad. When things go right, it's a really great performer. It's called gear, put out by beta shares. Now, with gear, if the stock market um, takes off, you, you get a magnification effect. And I think it will work, but it's such a high risk, I can't recommend it. And the, the one thing you're worried about is if the market falls over the next month or two before it takes off, the gear will magnify on the bottom, on the loss, and you'll lose a lot of money. But if you're a real risk taker, you might consider getting into gear, particularly when you think the worst of all this is over. Then my three plays, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All we have to do is keep our fingers crossed that inflation drops in the US and then the stock market will take off and that will be a great money-making time. That's my story for this week. See you on Thursday. Joining us now is Marcus Bogdan from Blackmore Capital. Marcus, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here, Paul. Now, uh, we're middle way through uh, AGM season. That's when uh, companies uh, or boards uh, face the music with uh, shareholders, but also allows companies to provide a bit of an update uh, to the shareholders in terms of probably the first news about uh, how they're travelling so far this financial year. What are some of the key takeaways so far? Well, I think the key takeaway is that earnings are holding up better than feared. Um, that was an outcome what we saw in the full year results for 2022. Uh, and now we're seeing it several months later in the AGMs. We've had a broad selection of companies that have um, reported their AGM results and provided an update. Uh, companies like A Cleanaway uh, have confirmed guidance. Brambles was better than expected and they'd actually seen an, ex uh, an acceleration of momentum in the first quarter. Companies like the drinks company Endeavour mm -hmm. had seen a strong recovery in, in their hotels business. Uh, and so collect collectively today, uh, this is encouraging news, particularly for the first half results that we'll see in February. Now that follows on from some uh... I guess a reasonably good start to US, uh, their quarterly earnings cycle. We had the, the big banks out last week, plus a couple of the tech companies. Again, um, they seem to be doing a little better than perhaps uh, the market was expecting. Yeah, I think the market had certainly low expectations uh, and the evidence so far is that those earnings are holding up 
particularly well. Uh, you know, Bank of America was was a highlight uh, where the chief executive there uh, indicated that the consumer still remained uh, healthy uh, despite signs in the U.S. of a very significant slowing in their in their housing market. But overall, the consumer, I think, with full employment. Uh, still uh, a ballast of savings is supporting continued growth. I think the key question now is, you know, how long will this continue and will the impact of the lag uh, impact of higher interest rates uh, affect spending going forward? So on the one hand, we've got, uh, you know, I think last week people were talking about there was a 100% chance of recession in the US. On the other hand, the numbers are okay. The same sort of pattern here showing up in Australia, the consumer really strong. Uh, we know interest rates are going up. So is that starting to affect how you're positioning in some of the, uh, you know, the consumer discretionary stocks? Have you changed your positions there at all in response to uh, either the earnings or perhaps more people talking about recession going, going forward? Well, it is, it is a balance because there is certainly a risk there uh, that with higher interest rates, continued high inflation, that that is ultimately going to have an impact on earnings. Uh, so on the one hand, earnings are holding up particularly well at the moment, uh, but in the future, uh, there is real indications that earnings will, will, will absolutely be crimped by uh, the higher cost of money and also the higher cost of, of living. And so we have to strike a balance in the portfolio. Um, we are still definitely tilted towards those more defensive industrial companies, uh, companies like Brambles that uh, mm -hmm. reported very good results. Uh, healthcare has been a laggard uh, in terms of share price recovery. But we are seeing, importantly, a sequential improvement uh, in healthcare activity, particularly uh, uh, admissions to hospitals in terms of uh, being able to generate uh, higher elective surgery rates. Uh, and then we like areas such as the energy sector, which continues to be under enormous pressure, uh, given what we're seeing in Europe and more, and more broadly globally. Let's talk about go back to healthcare. CSL last week uh, provided an update on uh, on Vifil Pharma in terms of uh, how it's going to integrate that business, what it saw as the opportunity. Um, it's not a high yielder, but it's certainly a stock that's uh, had great growth over many years, but not done a lot the last 12 months or so. Uh, how are you looking at uh, CSL in terms of uh, that acquisition and uh, where you think the company uh, moves forward? Well, you're absolutely right. The CSL share price has struggled for much of the through the pandemic, uh, and even more more uh, re recently, uh, even as activity has started to increase. But on the ground, um, we are seeing a significant improvement in their underlying business, mm -hmm. primarily plasma therapies and the collection of plasma in their largest market in the U.S. Uh, those rates of growth are up almost 30% uh, from the trough that we saw from the pandemic, uh, and those levels are now above pre-pandemic levels. So that recovery in their base business is encour encouraging. They have made a very large acquisition on, on, Vi on Vifor, um, and we had the first indications of the opportunities that CSL has seen in that, bus in that business. Uh, and that will... Um, 
and they underline that each of those each of those divisions in in the VIFOR business uh, is expected to generate um, revenue growth of at least 10 percent per annum uh, over the forecast period and so we do continue to expect that CSL will be uh, one of the higher growth companies uh, on the Australian share market uh, and it will and it should um, now continue to deliver dependable growth going from from here uh, and the, the price earnings multiple has come down quite materially and based on 2024 numbers where you get a full contribution mm -hmm. of buy for uh, that PE now is around 24 times and we're expecting to see um, you know low double digit earnings per share growth over the forecast period. So uh, at that sort of uh, forward PE of 24 is it on uh, are you buying that at the moment uh, Marcus? Well, we've already got it in the portfolio, but any further weakness, I think, would be suggestive that um, uh, that would be at very attractive levels uh, for investing over the medium to, to long term. And it's certainly a, a PE uh, that is now uh, well below its five-year average. Yeah, favourite company of mine and, and Peter's. Let's move on to just locally. Uh, later this week, we've got bank, uh, bank reporting season. Australia kicks off with ANZ on Thursday. Uh, and I think Macquarie on Friday. What are you expecting there in terms of uh, bank earnings and how the, the markets have been one of the better performing sectors over the last couple of weeks? Uh, do you think there's more in the banks at the moment? I think you're seeing um, the, those results uh, bringing forward in terms of much stronger share prices. Uh, and that is based on the fact that there is uh, expectation that there'll be uh, an improvement in their net interest margins, their, their NIM. Mm. Uh, and that is driving a lot of enthusiasm towards the banks, particularly in, in, this, in this month, um, as being beneficiaries of, of higher int interest rates. So that'll be the first focus, uh, that just that recovery in the, in the NIM. Uh, and secondly, uh, you know, comments around uh, their growth, their growth in both their in both their mortgage lending and and their bank bank lending uh, will also be of significant importance. And whether they are seeing any stress in their un underlying uh, loan books will be the third third element. But I, I think now we've seen a very strong recovery in in the bank uh, share prices and i think that's that's reflective of uh, probably in the shorter term uh qu quite favorable fundamentals and finally look macquarie hasn't quite benefited as much as uh some of the commercial banks it's out on friday um what's your sense on macquarie at the moment well i think the underlying big businesses particularly those ones that are capital facing markets will be under pressure. I mean, there's certainly uh, with higher volatility, uh, you know, the expectations around, um, uh, you know, IPOs uh, and that sort of act activity have been subdued. But on the other hand, um, their commodity facing businesses should be a beneficiary of, high, of higher vol volatility. But Macquarie is very much uh, a, a, what we would classify as, as, a, as a market facing business. Uh, and that uncertainty has been reflected in, in its recent share price. But the fundamental picture around uh, their positioning in green energy, uh, their commodities businesses, 
uh, and also their asset management businesses uh, still paint a very favourable picture over the medium to, to long term. Well, we'll find out on Friday, Marcus. Uh, Macquarie has a habit of surprising. Let's hope that uh, we get another good surprise this, this Friday. That was uh, Marcus Bogdan, the Chief Investment Officer at Blackmore Capital. That's the show for today. Don't forget, if you want to read more about what we've got to say and our ideas, have a look at the Switzer Report, switzerreport.com.au. I'm Paul Ricard. Thanks for joining us.